What's up, everybody? This is episode 148 of the Clappercast. I'm Burke, and as always, joined by Sean. What's going on, man? Just uh, refreshing my memory on some of the who's gone where of the offseason, because I'm looking even even just at one particular team, and I'm like, oh, I forgot all of those players are now with that team. Yeah, there's been a lot of movement, for sure, and it's tough to keep track and of. Especially because this offseason was so much of depth players versus star power that there's a lot of players that I just kind of forget about. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot of league minimum contracts being dished mm-hmm. out this offseason, like compared to years prior. There's a lot of guys like below a million, it seems. I can't remember. Maybe I just know more of who those guys are now compared to previous seasons, but it just seems like there's a lot more guys taking less just because there's so many teams that are cap-strapped. Yeah, I think partly that and partly just there wasn't as much on the high end, so it's like those guys got a little bit more airtime in in conversations and on like rage and frenzy and whatever yeah yeah that makes sense um so hopefully we can do a bit of a recap we're gonna do an episode for each division i guess i think that sounds about right <laughs> um and uh we'll recap some of the moves so far obviously these are you know at point in time it's uh, july 19th here so these could dramatically change tomorrow with any big trade or signing or something there's still some big names available like uh vlad tarasenko thomas tatar uh, dumba a few others are still out there so that could dramatically change uh what a team looks like right so anyway we're gonna start reverse alphabetical because we you know we always give atlantic usually the uh the number one spot Uh, but we're gonna start (laughs) yeah but uh we're gonna start with the pacific in the air of going reverse, why don't we just go with Vegas? <laughs> oh, you throw me for a loop here. Let me uh, bring up some. <laughs> I had a different team picked up first. But, uh, yeah, Vegas. Let's so see. Vegas, obviously the cup-winning team. They were the number one team in the Pacific last season. They were number fifth overall in the league. And 111 points, 51, 22, and 9, and a 677 uh, points percentage. So a pretty excellent regular season and obviously ended in the postseason success that they wanted to and they've made a few moves here um but i mean really like there's no one kind of new coming in to change this thing thing dramatically right like they've only really just signed like barbashev and hill to extensions yeah it's basically by and large the same roster or the same players returning i think the only the only major change is the loss of riley smith every everyone (coughs) pardon me everyone else is either a re-sign or someone who's played games with them last season like some of the depth depth guys i mean looking like looking at uh deforev or dorofeyev sorry (laughs) who who re-signed as well i think they yeah they re-signed him and they they think they've just re-signed uh howden and avoided arbitration with him as well um but yeah like the people who are are leaving riley smith uh, as you mentioned, the biggest kind of name going out, um, Jonathan Quick. That was whatever. whatever. And uh, Teddy Bluger, Lauren Brassois, and I guess maybe Phil Kessel. Maybe, not official on that one. Maybe but Logan Thompson. Or is he still signed? I haven't. S- I think he's still signed for one year. There, there is a question mark around yeah. their goaltending. I though, heard. I heard something about Thompson. Let's see. About who is going to be the starter. Um, Oh yeah, Thompson. Thompson still got a couple of years here, but uh, yeah, like a really cheap deal, yeah. which is probably um, why he's he's still there. <laughs> so yeah, they lose they lose Jonathan Quick and Brassois, 
but so it looks like they've got a, a Hill Thompson tandem. Obviously, there's Robin Leonard somewhere in the ether. Um, who is probably going to be on IR still, I imagine. I think so. Um, but I think that's kind of really the only real question mark like going into next season is just their, their goaltending because it's pretty much the same team minus Riley Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, I mean, for, for the team that just won the Cup to only lose one second-line winger, which they've sort of, I think the intention is replaced with a somewhat equivalent second-line winger in in Barbashev so yeah they you know considering they just won the cup with this roster they should have a pretty good chance of being a favorite to repeat or have another deep playoff run off of the back of this team assuming yeah assuming the health of two of their key players Stone and Smith or Stone and Eichel pardon me yeah I mean they did they did okay with like some injuries this year but the year before when they were absolutely devastated by injuries they obviously missed playoffs Mm -hmm. And so, it even looked testy at times last season in the middle of the year when um, they were missing like Eichel and Stone and their offense was terrible. They could not score a goal. And they had started to actually fall down the standings just a little bit, but um, they got they got their players back and, I mean, Eichel helped them get them into the playoffs. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the health the health is a big question mark at all, all positions, really. Yeah, I've made, um, I've made a spreadsheet up for all the team's in anticipation of this episode and i've got a column and it's like better or worse or the same and for vegas i put the same yeah like they're, they're pretty <coughs> much the same team like you said there's no dramatic changes um or i guess they've kept dramatic changes to a minimum um so far um but it's, it's not like the colorado wins the cup and then cadre's gone right? yeah they like didn't lose they didn't lose a whole bunch of their depth that got them to the cup in the first place yeah, and they kept one of the guys that they got as a maybe rental, right? Barbashev. Like, he was a beast for them in playoffs, and if he can... This is going to be a little bit of a risk, I guess, but if he keeps up that play, I think that'll probably replace Riley Smith's contributions in the lineup um, pretty similarly. So we'll see. Um, it's obviously one more of the original Misfits that's out of there, so slowly that uh identity is kind of being chipped away um for better or for worse um but pretty pretty minimal changes so far for them so i think they're definitely going to be um in the mix along the uh, top of the division again next year um we'll move (laughs) move to a different team that uh i guess is a little bit of a different of a story so the vancouver canucks so they missed playoffs they were sixth in the division 22nd in the league finished with a 38 37 and 7 uh, record 83 points and a 506 points percentage so they were above 500 that, that, that's um, a win that is a win for vancouver good job guys yeah um so for them obviously the big storyline was the uh, ekman larson buyout um which you know uh, i guess just brings it close to one of the worst trades that they've made that's um, one of the worst trades of the last couple of decades. <laughs> yeah, we we we've, yeah, we've talked at length about that one. <laughs> so Ekman Larson is is on his way out. Um, Kyle Burrows, another depth defenseman, um, on his way out. Um, I'm sure there's some guys that I didn't pick up on that were leaving, but I mean, 
more or less pretty pretty similar roster, but they've they've added Teddy Bluger, so we talked about him leaving Vegas. Um, so Vancouver is slowly kind of adding up some some Latvians here, um, which is interesting. Um, they also have finally attempted to to kind of work on their blue line a bit. So I'm curious to see what you think about some of these additions, where they've added Carson Soucy, Ian Cole, and uh, brought in uh, BC actually island boy matt Irwin, depth defenseman um but i think they're still over the cap um, um good and thank you for mentioning that because i was <laughs> i was just looking at this and find it absolutely hilarious the top five team the teams with the, like the the top five teams with the highest cap hit in the league toronto tampa bay vancouver colorado vegas <laughs> yeah, one of these <laughs> is not like the other yeah to be fair montreal is right after them but you know, top five is a good is a good uh, number, anyways. Anyways, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, I think top five in the yeah, league. Yeah, it's um, I think what is it? You're allowed to be ten percent over the the cap in the Something summer. Something like that, yeah. So I think like so I have listed for question marks for them: Tanner Pearson, mm-hmm. coming back, uh, trade question mark over the cap, depth scoring, Martin or Silovs for backup. Um. I think I, I have, I, and then I have in my better, worse, or same, better question mark, because I think like their defense, they might like they've got a bit, bit more of a supporting yeah. cast here now. So you mentioned um, Tanner Pearson, the the last update I'm seeing, there's a couple from within the last month that he expects to be ready for camp. Now whether or not that means he's playing in playing condition or whether he or not he can just come to camp is is the other is another question entirely but it sounds like he's healed and ready to at least participate in in hockey related activities again yeah yeah i mean he could still fail exactly yeah that's what i that's what i figure might happen is his hand just isn't ready like he can go to camp but he just won't make it in yeah i mean i have a tough time with the canucks as i'm sure a lot of their fans do um but it's always like on paper they look better, but like reality is is often a different story. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, you, they, they're coming in. Like you look at like what they're, I guess what Cap Friendly at least has for like their projected top six. It's like J T. Miller, Elias Patterson, Brock Besser, Kuzmenko, Anthony Beauvillier, like Connor Garland, or Hoglander or something. Someone. Like, or is um, Ilya Mikheyev? gonna be in the top six i think he played with Pedersen, maybe um but it's like yeah you know it's like it's on paper it's like okay like you've got some you got two really good players there uh kuzmenko probably gonna get less goals this year because i think he had the league highest shooting percentage last year that's gonna peter off um and, and i don't know i mean like bovillier started good with them but then kind of petered off towards the end of the season and then they've, they've got like rumors about Connor Garland getting traded like non-stop same with Brock Besser I'm actually kind of surprised that they didn't sign Dumba because that was a rumor for a very long time that they were interested in him I just wonder if they didn't have the room to, to go for it considering they're already like over the cap could be um I mean, like, what do you think of, like, the, the defenseman that they brought in? Because, I mean, the forwards is, like, kind of the same as last mm-hmm. year. It's just Teddy Blugers, who's a, you know, a depth, maybe third, fourth center. I don't... Play <coughs> I like the addition of Carson Soucy. 
I think he's I think he's a solid defender and he brings them a little bit of stability. But the caveat is he brings them stability in the bottom in like the bottom pairing. I don't think he's a top four defender. I don't think he got he ever really got that utilization. This the I want to bring up his like ice time from last season and just see. But I think he's typically more of like a third pairing guy, maybe some penalty kill. Yeah, so average about just over 16 minutes a night, which is, I think that's about third-pairing utilization. So he's not going to make a significant impact, and probably what's going to end up happening is he ends up, if he gets top four time, it's just going to be a bit much because he's going to end up having to cover for probably Philip Roenick. I can't imagine the Canucks want to put Hughes and, Hughes and Roenick on the same pairing. I don't think that would go well. But um, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at it, and it's... It's very much reminiscent to me. I've said it before. It's reminiscent to me of the Oilers in like the 2010 to 2015 era, where it's just here's a bunch of random depth players. They're not going to do much, but it makes the roster look slightly better to have these experienced guys in there. But they're not actually going to. Yeah. They're not actually the type who are going to come in and change the tone of the team, change the way they play. They're just going to make things just a little bit more stable. Like Susie will help the bottom, the bottom pairing out. Maybe some penalty kill, but the guys who were getting the most ice time are still the same. The guys who yeah. had the most issues, like the, the lines that had the most issues still the same. And that's where, that's where the, you know, that's where the issues are going to come from. Yeah. It's uh, like, I like those guys. I like the moves in a vacuum, but yeah, like you say, it's all about how they use them. And um, I like Hronik is a, is a good pickup. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he's an offensive guy. He he definitely upped his game defensively last year in in, in Detroit too. Um, but yeah, I don't. I have no idea how those pairings are. Off the top of my head, I see Hughes, Hughes, Myers, Susie, and Ronick as your top four. I think I think Canucks fans. I've been reading a bit about on like Canucks forums and stuff. Apparently, when Myers and Hughes have played together, it does not work. No. Myers plays a really like chaotic <laughs> type of yeah. game. So um, who are they going to put? I mean, do they trust? Uh, do they want to just go like all out offense on that top pairing and go Hughes Ronick? Do, yeah, do they no do idea. they trust in in Pedersen's defensive game to kind of be like a, a rover type where he can kind of cover either side depending who's doing what? You know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you, you they don't have that like Patrice Bergeron no. like what you are know, you saying JT Miller is an elite Mitch defensive Marner well, I mean Pedersen is like really is really is. good at 200 he is. feet that's why I mentioned him being but a they, rover type but I mean he they would more likely want to play him in the offensive mm -hmm. zone I mean he just got like 100 points exactly. so um, you know the thing with Bergeron is he's great defensively but he's also like a 60 70 point guy not 100 points yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, like, the team, like, just, like I said, it's always tough with the Canucks because they look marginally better on paper, but it's like, well, you know, they once they get on the ice, who that who, mm -hmm. who fucking knows how those D pairings are going to match I up? Think like, I just, I have no idea. What might end up no being idea. more important is the, the situation in net. If Demko is healthy, and I think you had mentioned who's the backup between Martin and uh, Silovs. 
yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, if Stilov's probably waivers exempt, so he's probably like gonna be the guy that goes down to the AHL, but he's probably the better, has the higher upside. Yeah, and at, at this point, and at this point, would you want the guy with the upside to get the more ice time? Because Martin's actually older than Demko. Martin's twenty eight. So it kind of makes more sense to have him be the backup and let Silovs develop in the minors instead of coming up to the NHL and getting sitting on the bench every, you know, for, for two weeks at a time, playing a game every couple of weeks and then getting lit up by whatever the hell is on the ice in front of him. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, like, he, like Martin could get a little bit better. Um, but, I mean, like, yeah, he's like you said, he's 28, so it's probably what you see is what you get yeah. now. Could be a could be a late bloomer, but you know who knows. Maybe it's Tim um, Thomas two <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You never know. Um, but yeah, I think that's a real question mark for what's going to happen here. Because yeah, like if Demko plays like how he used used to play um, pre-injury and everything, yeah, that blue line could be could be fine. Um, it could be a team that. That keeps uh, the score down low, um, and then just gets a few clutch goals from their top six. But I feel like if they run into any injury problems, this team like they don't have a lot of depth. So I don't know. Like I said, better question mark. Um, tough, tough to say. I don't know. Yeah, I I, <clears throat> I put them firmly at like about the same. I don't I don't think anything was significantly improved and especially the division that they're in it's going to be hard to like improve. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like if you oh, like obviously we're going to talk about the other teams in the division here but like once you start to see like how those teams are composed it's hard to see the Canucks as being one of the top yeah. top talents here. Um so I mean unless you have anything else to say about the Canucks let's let's move on. Not yet. We um, we spend enough time on them. <laughs> to uh, the Seattle Kraken. Um, so this is where Susie came from. So uh, last season had 100 points, which was cool. Uh, historic. First time ever. Um, 46, 28, and 8. Uh, a .61 save, um, not save percentage, uh, points percentage. Fourth in the division. Made playoffs. Won their first series against the defending Stanley Cup champions, Colorado Avalanche, which was super cool. Uh, they were 12th in the league. Um, they've added Kyler Yamamoto, Washington State guy, uh, Pierre-Edward Belmar, Brian Dumoulin. Um, and they've lost Daniel Sprong, Martin Jones, and uh, Carson Soucy. Um, so just a quick, quick word on Dumoulin. It's like they've got... A lot of former Penguins defensemen now. <laughs> a lot. Um, you've got Alexiak, Dumoulin, Schultz. Mm -hmm. So 50% um, former Pens. I mean, they also uh, have Brandon Tanev, Jared McCann. Uh, yeah, which is uh, a lot. Looking at that, it's really depends. disappointing. I'm really disappointed in myself that when uh, Puck Doku had the Seattle-Pittsburgh overlap the other day, I had actually trouble figuring out who was on which, like, which player would fit that. Oh, yeah. It actually yeah, took me a while. So there's many so of many of them. 
Um, yeah, that, that game's so fun. Um, Unrelated side note. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and um, just, just to kind of get it all get it all out there, the question marks for them, um, Vince Dunn is unsigned. Um, he needs an extension. Um, Joey Decord as the backup, question mark. What do they do with Shane Wright? And there's there's some rumors about Carlson getting in there too, um, which makes me nervous that they'd trade Dunn to a to a sign and trade. Um, so yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, what do you what? First of all, what do you, how do you feel about Yamamoto going there? I'm disappointed that Edmonton got rid of him. I I understand why. That yeah, he was only a three million dollar player, and he did a lot of stuff okay in that three million dollars but they also could have used that exact same money to get something better or they could have found somebody to do what Yamamoto did for less and what Seattle's getting in Yamamoto is just a feisty third liner who should be who can put up you know 20 goals he can kill penalties he's aggressive he won't shy away from physical play and you know, playing along the boards in the corners, even though he's five eight and one hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's streaky and he doesn't create offense very well, so he's kind of reliant on other people. And that's kind of what happened when him that one season that he went like point per game for a chunk of the year with Drysaitel and Nugent Hopkins. Um, he didn't have to drive the play on that line, so he was able to put up a lot of points off of rebounds and receiving good passes. So. I'm happy that he's going to Seattle. It's going to be really cool for them to have like the homegrown kid or the, you know, the hometown kid playing for them. Mm -hmm. So it'll definitely be a nice addition for their depth forwards. Something which they are, they have no shortage of, but it's always nice to have a different type. Cause I don't think they had lo looking at their depth chart. They didn't really have it like the type of player Yamamoto is. It's a, it's a lot of kind of like potential offensive scorer guys, but Yamamoto is more uh, two-way in my view. Yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, he played like dub hockey in Washington too. Um, so I think it's pretty awesome to see a hometown guy play for an expansion team. Um, and then, yeah, like uh, the other additions that they've made, I don't think there's anyone I'm missing out. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Belmar and Dumoulin. Um, um, any other ones that I at least noticed? John Hayden, um, depending if he plays in the NHL or not. And Dorgan was a re-sign, I think. And Jimmy yeah. Schultz, but I don't see him getting NHL time. Yeah, so pretty much a very, very similar roster. Um, you know, Belmar, defensive forward. Um, at this point, could be like a... Um, like thirteenth forward for them. Yeah, that's maybe. that's kind of where he slots in already. And looking at their lineup, that should be about where he is. Uh, and then Brian Dumoulin, you know, I don't, I didn't, I don't watch a lot of Pittsburgh games, um, so I'm not sure how he did last season. But I saw that there were some Pens fans who were happy he was gone. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, I didn't watch like you like you. I didn't watch him very closely last year, but I know in years past he had been very stable on the Penguins blue line, kind of one of the guys that 
helped kind of just get them through that he was he was quite reliable in that sense so maybe he's kind of hit you know the peak of his career he's on the way down but I think like on paper it's a great addition for Seattle to have like their their defense is just punishing with Adam Larson Jamie Alexiak Will, Will Borgen Brian Dumoulin like that's a that's a big physical defensive yeah that's some big rigs yeah for sure um and then yeah like the guys that they've lost I think that they can more than absorb that with the people that they've added I mean like Daniel Sprong yeah I mean like he's got a nice shot but like Yamamoto's gonna be pretty much the same they also have four other better better in the D zone yeah um Martin Jones like I I mentioned Joey Decord looked amazing in the AHL playoffs so I think he's at least earned a look Mm -hmm. at replacing Dreger as the backup at this point um and Susie, you know, they brought in Dumoulin. So it's like, okay, yep. whatever. It, it seems um, to be about one for one. So, yeah, I mean, like, the really the only person they need to sign here is, is Vince Dunn, who's earned a, a pretty solid chunk of change. Mm-hmm. Um, should eat up probably most of their remaining cap space, to be honest. Um, they've got about 8.2 left. I think Vince Dunn's probably probably looking for seven or north of seven or Which something like that i am not a fan of that contract <laughs> i think that's way too much for him but you know it's kind of the going rate for a guy who just put up 64 points in the season so yeah yeah i mean i like i like vince dunn um i think he's he's a good player and he's just been poised to break out for a while um i guess he i have confidence in him um, um i'm just realizing he also just barely i might add but um, led the team in ice time from skaters per game last season. So yeah, very clearly, you know, number one defender. Yeah, he's, he's important to that team. I think that's definitely a priority. I don't think it's gone to, like, arbitration or anything. Maybe it has. Um, but I expect them to announce the signing of him. Oh, yeah. Probably pretty soon. Um. And then, yeah, I think Shane Wright, I think, is eligible to play in the AHL next season because um, I think he's played four years now in the OHL. Um, so I think he can play AHL, I, b- I believe. I could be wrong on that. He played in the playoffs. Um, so I think he, I think that means he could. Um, and, yeah, so I don't know. I, I've got them pegged as the same. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're, it's pretty much the same um, roster. I think Grubauer was what they expected him to be in playoffs. He had he had some some off games for sure, um, but nowhere near as bad as he was in their first season for them uh, during the regular season. Um, so I think I think like not having Martin Jones is fine. <laughs> um, I think they'll be okay. He was the savior for a little bit. Then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that they'll they'll be in the mix. Um, you know, I don't know if they hit 100 points again, but they'll they'll be in the mix. I think. Agreed. For sure. Agreed on that. Um, okay, so a team that I definitely don't think will be in the mix here, uh, San Jose Sharks. So last season they were uh, seventh in the division, ended with 60 points with a record of 22, 44, and 16, and a .366 points percentage. They were 29th in the league. They've got uh, 
I mean, the, the people leaving is like a lot of depth guys. Like, I, it's like Lorenz, Kajovic, uh, Johansson, like Andreas or Andreas Johnson, um, a bunch of other like depth guys. But they they they're bringing in Anthony Duclair, who's making his rounds around the league. Um, Philip Zadina giving a shot to him, who was bought out by Detroit. Uh, and then Mackenzie Blackwood, they acquired. And uh, they've got uh, Giovanni Smith, Kyle Burrows, and some other depth guys. And I should mention that they also uh, said bye to James Reimer, um, leaving the team. Um, so I don't think the additions that they've made will significantly change their fate. No. Um, obviously, the big question mark here is the trade or a... a a potential trade of Eric Carlson, uh, Norris winning defenseman after a what 101 point season. Um, it's really hard to gauge where they'll be, what what their future looks like without that trade going through. So yeah, um, I mean, last season Carlson was like how much of their offense? Like 40 percent of their offense went through Carlson <laughs> or something. So yeah. they go and trade him, and then like. Who's who's that gonna run through? Because they don't have anybody else who that's gonna who's gonna like drive the play like that. So that's just gonna make things even worse. But I think, you know, how how long has Mike Greer been in the GM spot? I can't remember when he got hired, but it's still pretty early in his time with the team, and it seems to be like rebuild is the way to go. Since last summer. Okay, so you know he's heading July into fit. his his second year with the team, or second year at the helm of the team rebuild seems to be the way to take it so they trade carlson it's probably probably hopefully for them just a bunch of picks and prospects yeah i mean but then then they, then they got, they got nothing like what's their top pairing gonna be vlasic and ferraro <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i've seen i've seen better for sure <laughs> um yeah i don't um I don't know what, but they're not going to like trading Carlson isn't going to make them significantly better immediately. No. Right. So, no. and that's, I think that's going to be the point of the trade is, is just to commit to the rebuild. I don't think they look them looking at their position and their, their placement in the division. Like there's no way they think they can compete right now. So there's no point in trying to, it's might as well just like start building a team for five years from now when one of the teams and competing now starts to falter off. Yeah, they're in a, they're in a kind of a tough spot too because their cap space is pretty limited too, right? Like they've they've really kind of backed themselves into a corner with like some of the contracts they yeah, have. Yeah, that's been a real uh, barrier to them getting their rebuild started, having so much tied up in Carlson and Vlasic and uh, Hurdle and Kucher. And they're still paying like almost three million to Brent Burns and retained. Um, they've got a buyout penalty for Martin Jones. Um, of another like three yeah, mil. It's got like six million dead cap on top of that. Yeah, so it's tough because like they and this is probably why they're saying like they don't want to retain so much on Carlson because they probably want to use that cap space to get get guys that they can flip at the deadline yeah. or something, right? And get more assets. That's what they need to be doing here, right? Um, like if you look at like what Arizona's been doing, right? Like 
the last few yeah, seasons. The whole like use your caps, weaponize yeah, your cap exactly. space, right? And they, they don't have any cap space, so they can't do that. So it's like you're stuck in mediocrity or below because you can't get anywhere. Um, and I don't think their drafting has been particularly excellent. No. Um, they've got William Eklund. Um, well, that was a hard pick Other to than that, on. yeah, other than that, like, they did get uh, Shakir Makhmadoulin um, in that Meyer trade, who's projected to be a, a, a pretty good young defenseman. Um, but other than that, like, I don't know much about their prospect pool. I don't know if there's any real promising guys that will be coming up to play for them this season. This um, season, I think the only one to look out for is just going to be Eklund. Makes sense. I think, I don't think anyone else is, unless someone, I mean, there's going to be a lot of opportunities in camp because, like, their bottom, like, four defense, they're, like, bottom three, bottom four defensive spots could be very uh, all over the place. Like, if someone has a good camp, they could find themselves in the lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, the, the signing of Zadina really makes sense, right? It's like, Low risk. if this works, we can trade yeah. him. If it doesn't, whatever. Like, it's pretty cheap. Um, yeah, so, I, I don't know. I Like I said, I've got them kind of unknown until that trade goes through because they could get NHL-ready players, but I think really they need to not try and get someone back who fits the roster right now. They need to get prospects mm -hmm. and stuff, like draft picks prospects because you're you're not going to be able to replace carlson so it's like don't even bother right like you're gonna suck for a few years sorry that, that's <laughs> basically it there's no other yeah. there's no other way around it is like they cannot salvage what they have into something competitive no and basically until vlasic's off the books like him at seven mil for three more seasons it's oof yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything really else to say there. Like they're they're not gonna be great. <laughs> um, I I fully expect them to finish last in the division. I I would agree. I think uh, yeah. I think that's that's kind of their destined spot right now. Yeah. It's theirs to lose. Yeah. It's tough because they don't really have anything else that like people would want. Like, you know, like they don't no one's gonna be calling for like if maybe if Duclair like has a good season yeah. they could maybe flip him if they're not going to retain then no one's I mean no one's wanting Couture at 8 million for four more seasons no one's wanting Hurdle for another in eight years at 8.1 million yeah and San Jose's not like, retaining on that for the whole contract so they're kind of stuck with them maybe some of their D-men like maybe but uh, like Ferraro and Shimek. I don't know. I mean, I would. I wanted the Oilers to offer sheet Ferraro last season. <laughs> I I think he's a. I think he's a really like quietly solid defender. But he's also kind of their, their like best defender right now. <laughs> like yeah. assuming Carlson gets traded by the season, like Ferraro to me looks like their number one. Yeah, that's that's rough, buddy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, probably you're probably right um i'm just that's he i like him don't get me wrong i just think that your your team is in dire straits if that's your number one d-man um anyway no no tr no shade or anything but 
everyone's aware that San Jose is going to be bad, I yeah, think. Yeah, at this point, yeah. Um, okay, well, we'll move on, um, I guess, down up the state, whatever, inside the California LA Kings. Um, who, if, if San Jose is looking for, like, a team to kind of model themselves off of, look at LA. Like, they won the Cups. They had a few seasons where they were a little bit worse, and then they, they're right back in it with, like, a great prospect pool, able to make some good trades for their team to make them, like, you know, shoot up the rankings in, like, contenders, right? Like, they've, they've really turned the team around. Very, yeah, very quickly. Like, this was in a span of, like, three seasons they went from, you know, rebuild drafting to surprisingly making the playoffs two seasons ago and then looking competitive through last season. Yeah. Uh, so last season they finished third in the division, tenth in the league. They had a forty-seven, twenty-five, and ten record with one hundred and four points, um, which again, pretty remarkable considering kind of their trajectory. So that was a point uh, six three four points percentage. Uh, so the big storyline, obviously, they've added uh, center Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, they have signed Gavrikov to an extension, so he wasn't just a rental. Um, and they signed him to, I think, like a pretty solid contract considering what it was rumored he was looking for. Um, like, he was rumoredly wanting, like, $8 million or something, and they ended up, like, 5.8 for two years. And I think the, the rationale behind that is when the cap goes up, he's going to look for another payday. So at least they've kind of got him during, like, this new little window they've created for themselves. Um, so I think that, that was good. Um, they've also... Brought in goaltenders Cam Talbot and David Riddick. And they've shipped out Sean Dersey, Gabe Velarde, Kupari, Ayafalo, uh, Cal Peterson, and Sean Walker. So a lot of uh, guys on their way out. But bringing a big name in Pierre-Luc Dubois um, and kind of doing a goalie swap. Um, oh, because um, Corpusalo also... Um, left and went to Ottawa and Cam Talbot who was in Ottawa came to LA um so I think that's really the only question mark for the Kings is just the goaltending um where you've got Talbot um and Riddick but you've also got uh Phoenix Copley uh signed so there's three guys to who gets sent down um, does someone get claimed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's the tricky one. Or do you just roll three goalies? So I was listening to an episode, I want to say the Hockey PDO cast, and they were talking about teams moving to a three-goalie system, more so where you've got three NHL-caliber goalies on the roster like this. And I don't know if that's what Los Angeles was intending or if they just wanted you know, the possibility of having three guys to rotate through. But um, it, it's that, that, like you said, that is the big question mark again for them. This was a thing last season. It continues to be a thing this season. Like Copley was solid last year, but not amazing. He was just kind of better than what they had before. Um, Talbot very hit and miss the last handful of years. Ever since, ever since that one amazing year in Edmonton, he's been very up and down. And I mean, Riddick because he's been a career backup, so they kind of know what they're getting with him. Yeah, I, I I almost saw it as like 
just inviting competition to camp maybe Mm -hmm. like you know you you have to play well to to earn your spot yeah and and then if riddick gets claimed or something it's like eight hundred seventy-five thousand, or if you keep exactly. them on, on the roster, they're they're cheap. Like their three goalies cost three point three seven five million total. Yeah, it's like the Capitals when they had uh, Samsonov and uh, uh, Vitek Vanacek. It was like they had like the cheapest goalie tandem in mm-hmm. the league, and this is three guys <laughs> at the same uh, same cost basically. So if it works, it looks genius. Um, if it doesn't, it's not a lot of money invested in those three guys. Um, so we'll see it's a it's definitely a gamble um they've definitely gone all in on uh adding Pierre-Luc Dubois um because they signed him eight and a half um but I mean their center depth is just 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 looking at that Kopitar (laughs) Dubois Dano like (laughs) oh my god I, yeah. I, I think That's, I said it when um, we talked about that trade. Like, I don't like the Dubois trade because it makes Los Angeles too much better. Yeah, I mean, that, that center depth is just really jealousy-inducing. Like, it's, if that's... And, I mean, it makes it makes sense what given want. what Los Angeles, has, Los Angeles has to go up against. Like, they lose against Edmonton two years in a row with potential center depth on the Oilers of McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Eugene Hopkins. So it's yeah. like, how do you match up? Well, we'll go get three three centers who are good in their own way to, to compete with the depth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's smart, but like I said, it's, it's, it's a gamble because you left yourself no money to sign, uh, you know, a goalie with more proven mm-hmm. stats. So it's interesting. It's, it's definitely a different kind of makeup of the team. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, and then filling, I should mention too, filling the spot of Jersey, they expect Brent Clark, who's kind of one of their blue chip prospects to come up and make the the uh, defensive uh, roster out of camp. Um, he's been kind of hyped up quite a bit. Um, so don't be surprised if he makes the team. Um, and then, like, they still do have a lot of really talented young players, even though they shipped out, you know, a number of them. Um and some of these trades are just um, making cap mm-hmm. space. I think um, so. one question I had seen a lot of is regarding Quinton Byfield. Because mm-hmm. I think he, he is a natural center. But this the tra- the trade with Dubois kind of pushes him to the wing because like you're not going to put him at your fourth as your fourth line center. So it kind of leaves him it leaves him without a center spot basically and it puts him on the wing. So I just wonder how that kind yeah. of affects him or if it maybe helps him helps him develop a bit better or a bit more into a different role like that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that is a good question, though, because trading out Velarde, they've really kind of, you know, picked their guys that they have, and they're they're kind of putting all their chips in on, on the guys they still have, right? So um, could be a mistake. Um, I think... Velarde at least had a chip on his shoulder and his his like first interview after that trade. So um we'll see. I think like yeah, their their forwards look good. It's just you know, some guys might be playing wing when they don't want to play wing and that could be an issue. Um but their center depth is good. Um, you know, if someone gets injured, maybe Byfield goes back to center. Um but yeah, like their top six now is Kopitar, Dubois, Fiala, uh Kempe, Arvidsson, 
Um, and then I don't know. He plays, I guess, Byfield. I don't know. Any um, any rotating cast of prospect, really. They've got Byfield, Kaliev, for starters, anyways. Yeah. Um, and then I guess they've lost uh, Edler as well because um, I'm just looking at their defense and um. I, f- I they're, feel they're gonna be f- they're gonna be icing some rookies. Yeah. I think. I feel uh, like besides Brant Gavrikov is like younger Edler, maybe a bit more physical. <laughs> I think that's kind of uh, you know play style equivalent. Unless Ed Mikey Anderson is really good. Yeah, too. he is. Like He's super underrated as an actual like defensive defender. Yeah, and then I guess um with Toby Bjornfoot, they might be trying to get in the lineup too. Um, who's another guy on a ELC? Uh, so we'll see. It's a risk, but I think like they should be exciting to watch um, for sure next year. Okay, well we'll move on to uh, kind of a, a I guess a blossoming rivalry um, team here with LA. It's the Edmonton Oilers. So um, I'll just give their stats for last season and let you take it away. So last year, second in the division, seventh in the league, 50 wins, 23 losses, nine overtime losses, 109 points, 665 points percentage. Good season for them. Uh, Obviously not the ending in playoffs they wanted. Um, But what do you think about their additions, subtractions, their... How they're looking? They very obviously did not have much cap space to do anything with. Um, but they were still able to make a an addition that will hopefully have a big impact in Connor Brown. They did some cap space shenanigans to sign Connor Brown to league minimum with uh, a lot of performance bonuses that he... Actually, the, conti- the condition on t- uh, all of his performance bonus money is to play 10 games. So they basically gave him guaranteed money as a performance bonus, but gave him very little in salary just so they could fit him in the cap for the season. You you say guaranteed, but he played last <laughs> he year, played four games last he season. He played four, <laughs> so you know. It's... So unless his leg explodes <laughs> like it did four games into the season last year on Washington, yeah, it 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 looks like it could be guaranteed, but there, know, there's there's always never. a chance. You never know. <laughs> but uh, I do like that yeah. signing, though. I do. Like well, it. that's the thing. Like it's it, it, Brown and McDavid played together in junior. And that was a year that Connor Brown had like 150 points in junior or something. Let me just bring that up because I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to give false numbers and inflate someone's stats like that. But uh, let me just. I think 128. For some reason, Hockey DB doesn't know how to format on a slightly narrower screen. There we go. Yeah, 128 points in 68 games playing with Connor McDavid and Erie. So yeah, that's junior. It's not rem- not representative of in in the NHL. But the two players are familiar with, that, with each other. So, you know, they're by default, they're going to be top line, obviously. Like, they're going to get time together. And I think that's going to be a great addition because Brown has the speed to kind of keep up play with McDavid. I think that was a, I think that was a thing for Brown where he's kept getting shorthanded breakaways in, in um, Ottawa, which it's also good i don't know if he's a good penalty killer or if he just got the time on the pk just because of where he was in the roster but um if they go and bring in brown who can kind of take some of the penalty kill time that they lost by buying or trading yamamoto that could be a thing too um other than that their additions very 
very minor, not likely to see much, if any, NHL time. Like, Lane Peterson might be, like, their 13th forward. That type of thing. Drake Kajula, he's kind of played his way out of the NHL. I think he's just there because they're familiar with him and he's familiar with the organization. But he's likely AHL. Just someone to go down there and give them some some experience because he had he actually had a really good year in the AHL last year, like fifty some points in sixty ish games. Hmm. Um, they're only what they what they have left to do is they still have to re-sign Ryan McLeod. They still have to re-sign Evan Bouchard, and that's going to be the tricky part. And that's going to be the unfortunate part is that they have to bridge Bouchard to something something along the lines of what Keandre Miller and Bowen Byram got instead of signing him long-term now. And it's not great to do that when he is taking over the team's top pairing with <laughs> Ekholm and the team's top power play unit, where he was putting up a point per game through the latter half and the playoffs. So it's going to suck when he is then due for a nine, you know, eight or nine or $10 million contract because he puts up 80 points a season. But uh, what can you do? <laughs> Ryan, Ryan yeah. McLeod took a pay cut last year because the team couldn't afford him, so I can't imagine he's going to do that again this year and probably is going to end up you know, wanting a little bit more. So that's going to be tricky to fit them in. But um, the Oilers, they're going to have to find some prospects to make a jump up to the NHL. That's going to be where they're going to try and save a little bit of money. Um, Dylan Holloway is going to be back on the NHL roster. Hopefully, he, like, he didn't have a great debut, only nine points in 51 games last season, didn't really notice him a whole lot. But he also didn't play very much, so chances are next season he'll get more of a chance. Um, there's a lot of a lot of talk around Raphael Lavoie um, jumping up to the NHL next season as well. So he's someone that's been very inconsistent in his development, and he had a bit of a bit of trouble adjusting to um, the professional game. Pardon me, in the AHL, but he had 45 points in 61 games last season. He had some really amazing stretches, but he's also inconsistent. Um, he's got size. I mean, he's six four hundred and He's 6'4", 200 pounds, so he's going to be quite a solid addition for a third or a fourth line. Um, you know, to kind of follow your trend of better, same, worse, I I think this, the team's about the same. They didn't make any significant additions that are going to change anything too, too much. Their depth is still a concern. Like, their, their bottom two forward lines are a giant question mark at this point. Even looking at the um, depth chart on Cat Friendly, where their third line right now is Yanmark, McLeod, and Fogel. That's not great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine it stays like that on opening night, and they'll they'll find some arrangement of players getting called up or prospects that'll make it look a bit better, or split up some of the other players. But um, I think they're about the same. It's it's the same trend of a very top heavy team. Um, their defense that that addition of Ekholm at the trade deadline. I think just makes their top four so good because it lets them roll that pairing at Coleman Bouchard above Nurse and CC and takes a lot of the pressure off of those two. Mm -hmm. So I think that helps their their bottom pairing. Um, Brett Kulak is he's kind of an interesting one because you don't notice him a whole lot, and I think that's just that's just stable. It's great. They're gonna have some rotating cast of Vinny DeHarnay and Philip Roberg. I hope Roberg gets more of a more of a uh, um, spot in the lineup this year just to see what you can do. Yeah. But like like I said, there's not a whole lot of big changes they could have made 
and they kind of did what they could with the cap space that they had. So I think they're they're about the same as last year. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, um, just one thing you mentioned on Connor Brown, just going back a couple minutes here, but um, you said that he used to get a bunch of breakaways. I I, I mean. I'm sure he's rehabbed and everything. He's had like almost an entire season and a half off here, um, including the off season. Um, but I don't know if he's going to have that speed. That is um, that was that, that was a major have. concern. If because especially I think it was an ACL injury, and those those very often take um, a lot of a lot of speed and a lot of dynamism out of a player skating. I think because I was reading because some Capitals fans wanted him back, so there was a lot of articles on like the Caps subreddit and stuff, and I was reading some of them. And um, he was saying that because uh, he's obviously asked about it, right? Um, he was saying that like he's had almost an entire season to heal, and like he got shut down for the whole year, right? So it was like you're not playing. Um, so was there was no like rush to come back, right? so it's like he was able to heal properly and then he worked a lot on like his diet um while he was not playing so like he was like oh i want to be like getting better in some way so he like started eating better and like getting more into like nutrition and stuff so still working on some stuff um but yeah i mean like i think that that's probably real right like the the rushed heal time that a lot of guys go through um you know, you can see like Max Pacioretty, right? Comes back, hurts himself immediately, mm-hmm. misses the rest of the season, um, which hopefully doesn't happen again. Um, now that he's <laughs> on the Capitals, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, hopefully he's healed up. Hopefully he's kind of back in game shape and ready for camp and everything. Um, but that's a real question mark. And again, the w- the contract that they sign him to, it's pretty low risk if it doesn't work. Exactly, out. and that's. I was when when I when I saw this first break, I'm kind of like, how do they get Connor Brown for league minimum? But um, that's actually pretty smart the way they structured it and the way they, you know, made it happen like that. So yeah, and I I, I saw like cause <coughs> when I was reading about this stuff, it was pre him signing with Edmonton. Um, there was rumors he was going to go to Edmonton because he had played with McDavid and stuff. Yeah, there was too. honestly we and knew, it's like go to a contending yeah, team. Um, we knew. I don't know how much of this was like in mainstream stuff, but Connor Brown to Edmonton was a thing for like a month leading up to it. So we kind of knew it expected to happen as yeah, in the Oilers sphere. I I distinctly remember putting a comment down on someone's uh, replying to someone else's comment saying like, "Yeah, he's going to Edmonton, man. Yeah, like, he's going to go play with McDavid." Um, but um that's what people were suggesting was would happen was that he would be signed to like a deflated contract in value because he only played four games so it's like you can't really say that you were worth what you were before because you just missed a Mm -hmm. whole season so it's like a team was going to get a potentially really good bargain on his contracts and i was hoping that um you know some of the teams that i cheer for would, would bring him in or the capitals would bring him back or whatever um but I think it's a, it's a smart move for the Oilers for sure. Like a low risk, high reward. Exactly, and if it works. It, it works basically just turns the cap situation into a next year problem because what's going to end up happening is they just have a three point two five million dollar bonus overage to deal with next season, which it'll be an issue. Which yeah. you know that's an issue for next summer. Who cares? <laughs> and the guy that you're 
best player has potentially has instant chemistry with invaluable it didn't work with dominic cahoon and leon dreisaitl but hopefully it'll work with mcdavid and brown yeah for sure um okay well we'll move on um to uh calgary flames um who i'm sure you're just beaming with about how garbage their offseason has been um so they do not do jordan osterly disrespect (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh so uh last year they were they went 38 27 and 17 had 93 points which is more points than florida had um missed playoffs had a 567 points percentage were fifth in the division 16th in the league right in the middle and then there's all these stats about like how many posts they hit and like you know how many one goal games that they lost and how many times they outshot their opponents and lost and blah 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 had bad goaltending. Um, so they fired their coach, got a new coach, Ryan Huska, got a new GM, Greg Conroy. Uh, they've they've added Yegor Sharangovich and I guess Jordan Osterley. Um, and they've lost Tyler Toffoli, uh, Lewis, Lucic, Richie, Stetcher, uh, Mike Stone, uh, uh, Matthew Phillips, I'm putting down here because he's a prospect that they've had for a while. I think he's like 24. He's a Calgary guy. Has played three games for them. Mm-hmm. And I think and I, I, <laughs> I think Mikael Backlund he's, has officially requested a trade now. So they. I think he did an interview in like Sweden or something and said like he's he's done. Like he doesn't want to sign there. Again. So look, you know, um, maybe they'll keep him until the trade deadline. But you know, they might eat, they, they might not even have him to start the season. Yeah, and so I've got a lot of question marks here mm-hmm. for them. So, yeah, obviously I've, we've got more trades, question mark. Backlund, Lindholm, Hannafin. Um, I expect some of them to be moved um, before or early season um, for Max return. Um, Shillington's returning. Dustin Wolf, uh, goaltender prospect that they have. That's one goalie of the year in the HL. I think a couple times. I think twice in a row, yeah. Um does he get a look? He has to. Um Yeah, so there's a lot mm-hmm. of questions for them and I've I've just got them clearly worse because even if their team they're able to roster a, a better on paper team, like there's just so much shit going on and like you know, Backlund's talking to the media about how they suffered from not having a captain last year and like the room's fractured and broken <laughs> like it's just like such a nightmare yeah, and i don't i see exactly why it might be because you go and shake up your entire core and bring in like your best players all gone your best players are replaced then you have daryl sutter doing daryl sutter things in the locker room and like you've probably just completely destroyed whatever chance you had because th- quite frankly if they had just done literally nothing this offseason and gone into next year with a fresh GM, fresh coach, no Daryl Sutter, they probably would have done better. Some of these some oh, of these yeah. guys who suck, Agreed. like Huberto and, I mean, Kadri didn't do great, and I think Mangiapani regressed. Those guys would have probably done better on their own. Yep. So they probably could have just, you know, continued on with the exact same roster and done okay, but they had really just, just destroyed their locker room. Like, you, like that interview said, just fractured locker room and no... No direction, no leadership, no anything. Yeah, I wonder what the real story is. Like, I, I'm really curious to, to hear 
this like down the line you know like what really happened here yeah. because it looks like that the players went to management and said like you got to do something about Sutter and they were like nope we're gonna wait until the end of the season and then fired him and then it just took too long to bring in a new voice because Conroy seems like a really positive mm-hmm. like good guy um and they bring in a new coach and everything but it's like it's it seems like it's too late right yeah. and they're just like they their minds were already made up because like they lost they didn't make playoffs they've already talked to their families and everything about what they want to do for their future and then when they do bring in the new people it's too late exactly it's like well the, the relationship is is tarnished it's you know there are irreconcilable differences that situation yeah so it's like conroy's got to figure out what the what the hell to mm-hmm. do here because his predecessor has signed Huberto ten and a half, <laughs> sent Kadri for seven. The Uyghur signing is good. I will say that one is good. Um, but like, how do you f- how do you add the pieces now around those those yeah. guys? Right. I mean, yeah, because their prospect pool is okay. I mean, they have like Jacob Peltier, Connor Zari, and Matthew Coronado up front. I think those three guys are supposed to be pretty highly regarded. Um. I now with so many open spots on the roster and a coach who won't publicly demean his prospects, there's probably a better chance of them getting into the roster and having an actual chance of making an impact and getting some time, which is good. So, you know, that would be the hope is that these guys in, in this environment can come in and flourish and, you know, make up some of what is and will be lost by other players who are and will be leaving. Uh, selfishly, I'm kind of happy that the Capitals were able to sign Phillips because it seems like he could be like a steal. He just never got any opportunity. Like I think when he did play in his three games, he got like ten minutes ice time or something. Um. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's uh, it's rough. Definitely a very rough off season for them. Yeah, it's it's a little bit disappointing. Just because now, you know, the, there was that one, maybe two, two season stretch where that Oilers Flames rivalry was just at a peak again. So good. The teams were both competitive and at a good place at the same time for once. And then it that ended yeah. very quickly. And, you know, for how long has it been now? Like 10, 10 plus seasons that people have been talking or like we've been saying, like, the Flames need to rebuild. The Flames need to rebuild, but they've just continually kept this this perpetual mediocrity of like just making the playoffs just so that they don't have a good prospect to draft. And then they just keep finishing, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth in the conference. So yeah. if their roster goes and gets imploded by this, then maybe it's time with, you know, a relatively new GM to actually go through a bit of a rebuild. And, you know, maybe they don't have to go fully tank mode but just enough to, you know, free up some cap space, bring in a new environment, bring in a new locker room, bring in a new culture, bring in some prospects and and build up from from there a little bit, you know, kind of a retool in a sense. Which I realize as I'm saying it just sounds like, you know, engaging in perpetual mediocrity continue can still. But um maybe take it a bit more seriously than just trying to, you know, keep coping with where they're at and just except hey we need to go suck for a year or two yeah it's uh quite the collapse for sure for them um 
they they've got to sell guys off and get what they can, get some some things back. Like Lindholm's sucks to lose him, but you can get a lot for him. He's going to be a great deadline pickup because there's no way they trade him before the deadline. But he is going to be an amazing deadline pickup. Like he's going to be number one on the trade bait board heading into that because he's going to be yeah. so cheap and he's like a number one center who's two-way he can put up a ton of points score goals do everything he's going to be an amazing uh acquisition for whoever gets him yeah yeah it's tough for them because it's like there's so many guys that they need to move here but like so many teams that would want these guys are so cap strapped that it's like you might want to move them now but you might not really be able to um so sucks to suck i guess right now um which I'm again, I'll reiterate. I'm sure it breaks your heart. Um, <laughs> that I have uh, a I have Calgary's a violin that is visible under a microscope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too bad. So sad. Um, all right. Well, we'll move on then to um, Anaheim, last team here in the Pacific. Uh, so they were the la the bottom team in the league last year. Uh, they had a 23-47-12 record, which is just great. Um, 58 points and a .354 points percentage, which I think is the lowest since the 90s, um, which is pretty nice. So they were obviously last in the division. So what have they done? They've added a new coach, Greg Cronin. Uh, they've added Alex Killorn at a a big contract. That's uh, you know, it's uh, a six. <laughs> I didn't realize he's also thirty three. Yeah, six six point two five million for four years. Um, at least it's I get okay. It's the the term's not too bad because they're probably realistically gonna suck for another two seasons and then start to get better as he's aging out of that, and then their prospects are need to be resigned. Yeah, it's it's definitely on the high side. It's not like the worst, but it's definitely kind of a, a bit of a head scratcher. It's probably the worst um, of this off season so far. Yeah, I think it's like they're paying the, the Tampa tax, right? Yeah. Like, I think he's going to look a lot worse in Anaheim um, than he did in a, on a good team in Tampa. Um, he was there for both cups. Um, so bit of a bit of a premium there. Um, they also added uh, Radko Gudis, $4 million for three years, um, which seems a little high for Gudis, um, but I guess they want hits in Anaheim. Um and then they added Robert Haig. And then again, this is another team that was kind of hard to find who left because it's a bit of like a bunch of randos. And so I, I saw Nathan Beaulieu, Max Comtois, and Kevin Shattenkirk. There's probably some guys that I'm missing there. Uh, Klingberg. Um, but Unle or did he get traded? Klingberg was there at the beginning of the season, and then he got traded to Minnesota. Uh, the yeah, deadline last year. He's in Toronto now, though. I didn't even. I didn't even. I knew um, he was in Toronto. Now I didn't even. I completely glossed over the Minnesota part. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, put a pin in Klingberg though, because I have one comment on that. Um, about some of these pending UFAs. Um, or not pending, but the current UFAs out there. Uh, so the big question marks for uh the Ducks are Troy Terry, Jamie Drysdale, and Trevor Zegras are all in need of a contract. Uh, unless any of them have signed today, I don't think they have. No, it doesn't um, appear to be. That's a big chunk of your your future um, that they have to sign. Luckily, they have thirty million in cap space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
they're fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, Scary Terry looked like he was on pace for 40 goals a season ago. Um, you know, definitely dropped back to reality last season. Um, but still, looks like he's probably going to be like a 70-point guy. Um, so he'll, he'll be wanting a, a fair chunk of change. And then obviously Zegers is one of the most exciting younger players out there with, uh, you know, quick hands and everything. He's a definitely like a face of the franchise mm-hmm. too. Um, so he'll be, he'll be wanting some money. And then there's some other questions here that I've got. So Gibson trade, there was that rumor that came out that he demanded a trade. Honestly, Gibson's um, been in trade rumors for like three or four seasons now. So yeah, it I know it's going to be such a letdown when it actually happens. Yeah. Cause been wanting it for I d- so long. I don't think um, any team would want to trade for him. I mean, okay, they yeah, I mean, they would he because he's good. good, but he's not as good as he was four seasons ago, and he's also perpetually hurt. Yeah, that's true. He's not as good as he was, um, so it would be really just like a reputation mm-hmm. sort of deal. And the the cap the way it is, teams don't want him to do that, especially when he's still six point four million for a few seasons. Yeah. Um. So that's that's obviously one of the big questions. Um. Is are they going to trade Gibson? Um, and then I've got, uh, do they bring in Leo Carlson? Is he an instant NHLer? I think he was playing in pro league um, in Sweden. I think he was regarded as um, one of the more pro-ready of the top there, of the top few. Yeah. I think him and Fantilli both were kind of yeah. said to be, like, ready to rock, basically. Um, and then are any of the other prospects they have going to make the jump? Because they've got, like, a bunch of defensive prospects. They've got, like, Zellweger... Minyukov, they got a few I other guys. I think I'm just looking at their depth chart. I'm pretty sure they have a couple of spots on their defense that would be like they'll be looking for for players to fill them. I think, I think, yeah, because they've got four defenders with Drysdale unsigned, so five, and one of them is Colton White, who I don't actually know if I've <laughs> ever heard of. So yeah, there, there's I mean, there's a spot there for you know one of those guys to make the jump to the NHL. Yeah, I mean, like, right now, like, their depth chart has Robert Haig in the top four, which is not... Less than ideal. ...something that is good. Yeah. Um, like, Gudis, maybe maybe a top four defenseman. I think he's a second-pairing guy. Yeah. Um, maybe not in two seasons, so but this season, I think he's... He's probably... He's they probably just pair. signed him to stand up for the kids. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so there's there's room for like there's opportunity here for you know some of their young guys and they've got a pretty good prospect pool. So okay, sorry my dog is really begging for my affection. It's dinner time, <laughs> so she's all over me. Um, stop! <laughs> she's like, get away from me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I I see them as p- probably the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they're going to be substantially better, and they can't get worse. <laughs> That's a good point. I think so... I might see them flipping with San Jose. They might be a little bit better just because of the team growing. I think that's that's kind of the stage that they're at. That they might get a new coach boost. They might get just some of the def- some of the development of of these players a bit more in the the cohesion of the roster. Yeah. So I think they might jump up a little bit but they still like they're not going to be competitive don't get me don't you know get it i'm not going to get ahead of myself there but they might be like you know bottom five instead of dead last 
that type of thing. Yeah, I think that that's probably accurate. I think San Jose should should be worse, mm-hmm. especially if they trade out a Carlson, and they don't have any like NHL guys coming back in the trade. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're pretty much the same. They're they're gonna be they're right where they need to yeah. be. They need to get another few low draft picks, right? So, um, yeah, they're they're not gonna be great. So, talking about Klingberg and these UFAs. Um, I I think that some of these UFAs are, are Klingberging themselves where they're holding out for like a big money deal and all these teams are making their, their signings and they're not going to have any room. So it's like you're going to have to take a lot less mm-hmm. at the at the end of this because you've, you've done it. And the, the, the almost the one-to-one comparison here is Vlad Tarasenko where he fired his agent just like Klingberg did last year where it's like his his agent denied Klingberg's agent denied a deal from the stars and it was like something ridiculous something that stars fans are incredibly happy he did deny um because they wouldn't have been <laughs> as good as they are um and, and anyway he did this in hopes of like a, a bigger number and they didn't get it and i wonder if that's what's happening with some of these guys because the longer you go, you know, the teams that are, are, are contenders have already made their moves. And so you're going to have to go to like Anaheim <laughs> for like, you know. Yeah. And in a situation where teams don't have much cap space to begin with, you're not going to get as much as you think you should or you think you will. They're going to have to sacrifice mm-hmm. going to a competitor to go to one of these bottom feeders to make that money if they want to. And then what's going to happen is they go there, they suck because they're on a bad team, and then they go and screw themselves over on their next contract too. Because like what Klingberg held out because he wanted more. He wanted to go to Anaheim, light it up for a year, and then take more the next contract. But like, how much did he just lose by by doing that instead of looking for something long-term? You yeah, know? like what's his, his current deal? He got like three million from Toronto. 4.1. Oh, 4.1. For one year. Another one-year deal. Yeah. Guy's 30. One more one-year deal. Um, hang on. I'm going to find this offer that they turned down. Um, this is from Jeff Merrick. Um, Stars had offered Klingberg an eight-year deal at $7 million, But they wanted eight by eight. So they denied it. And now the guy's making half like, that. Yeah, half. I mean, what did he make <laughs> in Anaheim? It was probably last probably th- four or five last season too let's see seven. Oh, he got seven <laughs> so he ends up taking the seven he didn't want and then an even bigger reduction to go to toronto now maybe his intentions change maybe he's like oh i'm good now and i just want to go see if i can win a cup but like didn't yeah, get his payday did not get turned his payday. down turned down 56 million and got seven. Well, he made. I mean, over these two seasons, he could have made fourteen. Was you say eight by seven? Yeah, he could have been. He, he made he fourteen. Made 14, and instead, he's got eleven. But he's made ten. Or yeah, whatever. Um, we're yeah, we're so <laughs> we're we're sitting here talking about the difference between ten and fourteen million. But like, just he kind of, I don't know. Depending on what the intentions and, and stuff were behind the scenes and what happened with that agent. 
kind of played himself out of his out of his big payday at the end of his career. Yeah, I mean like a, a seven by eight when you're like twenty nine or whatever, right? Like that's that's pretty mm-hmm. decent. Um, and then yeah, I I I don't know if he's gonna like playing in Toronto. We'll see. Um, but it's funny because Justin Hall is a defensive defenseman and was constantly shit on by fans and media for his performances. Wait till they see the great defensive play of John Klingberg. <laughs> the guy is real good <laughs> defensively. <laughs> so, so yeah, they'll that'll, that'll be funny. I saw a thing and it was like some stupid Facebook thing and it was like, you know, fastest team and get 200 points or whatever. And Klingberg was like one of them. And it's like, yeah, but he, he did it in like way more games than like Kale McCarr and all these other guys. It took him a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Anyway, just that. Just a side note. Um, that you know, the longer that some of these UFAs hold out for, it's less likely that they're gonna kind of go where they want and get the money, right? And they're gonna have to choose what's more important. I think there's a few guys out there in that in that boat. Um. Okay. Well, anything else you wanted to go over, or any other moves you think might happen in this division? No, nothing. What's your what's what's your uh, Carlson prediction? Oh, I thought he was going to go to Carolina, but apparently he wants nothing to do with that. I saw that that apparently he does not yeah. want to go there. So, and does not want to play with Burns, which is fair. I mean, they it's the same player. Like it's it's hard to split duties when you're two of the same guy. Um, so and apparently he doesn't like their system or something yeah. too. Like there was I don't know where that rumor came from, but he was like pretty negative about Carolina, right. which honestly I love because I don't like Carolina <laughs> at all. So I thought that was awesome to see a player to be like, fuck Carolina. Yeah. I don't want to go there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I have trouble seeing a trade to anywhere because I quite frankly would never fathom wanting to take on the player and the contract that he has. I can't, I can't picture any team in this, in this cap situation right now that can bring that on and not completely destroy their team. So, like, they're going to have to run this through a third team. Whatever happens, it's going to go through a third team to retain the salary that San Jose doesn't want to. And then they're going to have, like, seven years of, of Carlson or something at <laughs> probably $7 million. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to take that contract on, and I have trouble seeing a team that would do that at this point. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, who the hell even I think he's worth... Like he's he's probably worth like seven or eight, right? Like I think teams yeah. would have like palatability like to he's that. Worth, but like he's worth that, provided he stays healthy. Yeah, yeah, and you're gonna point. have to give up so much for a team or two teams to retain. Exactly. And I see the rumor of like Pittsburgh is apparently in on this, right? Like he's been one of they've been one of the teams that have been listed. Like it's been Carolina or Pittsburgh, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the actual hell does Pittsburgh have that San Jose would want? Like, they have no prospects. Exactly. They have nothing. They have no prospects. They have, like, I think one of the bottom five pools in the league. I guess they just have picks. But it's like the, if they're if they're making playoff push, why would you want their picks? Like, they're going to be, like, near the end of the mm-hmm. round. I just, it's like, I don't know. It does, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it making sense. <laughs> <laughs> just Just to keep this on the Pacific Division talk, what about Calgary? <laughs> Calgary's got a bunch of guys. Oh, Calgary's yeah. got a bunch of guys that want out. 
there's your cap space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, make their team so good. You want to see Carlson feeding Huberto? <laughs> nah, man. I don't know. I just don't I just don't know if there's a good no. fit because it's like cap space is such a premium right now, but uh there's not a lot of it to go around and then like you have to get value back. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you look at the original trade, like Ottawa got some good stuff out of it. Maybe he goes back to Ottawa. <laughs> like, I thought about it. I thought I'd I think he said he'd be open yeah. to going back there, but it's like I don't know. If Who was it? Hoffman? That was the issue was with. Hoffman's not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do they have to send back? Like, probably want to send like a really good young player back. Like, you know, what'd be really like, funny is one grade. of the prospects that they got in the first time around, or like one of the players they drafted with one of those picks that would be funny (laughs) that would be funny yeah i mean i would love if he went back to ottawa i would instantly get a jersey (laughs) just what a top pairing that would be of shabbat and carlson at this stage in their careers like (laughs) (laughs) like a top four a top four of shabbat carlson chicken and zub or or i mean you know i mean you obviously want sanderson higher up in the lineup at this point but that would be that would be pretty in- pretty interesting, pretty intense. I mean, yeah, if you're San Jose, who do you want? You want probably Sanderson. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Ridley Gregg. Yeah, so, Greg, you know, a Greg, good whatever. a good forward prospect, a first round pick. And then Ottawa would also and you know whatever team gets him would also have to give up a pick to whoever retains the salary. Well, Ottawa doesn't believe in first round picks. Right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but we'll see. Uh I think he he gets he goes somewhere, but I just think it's going to be just a a foolhardy trade yeah. when it goes through. Uh, it's either going to be just terrible value for San Jose, or it's going to be like a team's going to give up way too much just to make it yep. work. It's probably going to end up being super boring, Sean, and nothing's going to happen. Like t- for his entire stint in San Jose, <laughs> it's just he's just there. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, the same as why am I blanking on his name? The trade from earlier in the off season, Kevin Hayes that one between philly and oh, st yeah, louis yeah, where it's yeah. like oh we've got Monster this trade this like four player trade coming through <laughs> like hayes and sandheim for whoever was coming back and no that didn't happen <laughs> it's gonna be boring yeah, yeah just, yeah, just just take this guy for free basically that wraps things up for this time here on clappercast make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way for more content you can follow us on facebook or instagram at clappercast media or on twitter at clappercast Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more Hockey Talk.